Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day, and having done everything, to stand firm. And now, battle ready with Father Dan Rehill. Good day. Welcome to Battle Ready. Let's pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My God, I believe, I adore, I hope, and I love thee, and I beg pardon for those who do not believe, do not adore, do not hope, and do not love thee. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Today is Monday, so my mom is on with us again. Good morning, Mom. Good morning. How are you? I'm wonderful. How are you? Very good. Good. What what do you have on the docket to talk about today? Well, I'm, I think I'd like to talk about spiritual combat. Okay. But, but from the standpoint of the laity, not from a priest perspective or not from an exorcist perspective, just okay. from the laity where we are out here. Sure. So the first question is, what's going on around us? Well, if we look around, the culture wars are raging. Yes. Uh, yes, big time. Uh, an actual war is going on in Ukraine with all the brutality and displacement that war brings. Uh, there's a breakdown of family. There's a breakdown of morals and values. And the world as we know it is crumbling. Uh, everything seems to be falling apart. So we can read the signs of the times. Let me just interject here because the, just to emphasize this point, uh, today... Uh, this uh, male swimmer who goes by the name Leah Thomas, biological male, has been nominated for the NCAA's Woman of the Year Award. Oh, my goodness. I mean, it's just absolute lunacy. And here's another top story in the news. A woman who is in a New Jersey prison has impregnated two women. Mm. How does that work? Well, because it's a transgender woman, which means it's a man, because only a man can impregnate a woman. And here's the kicker. So they finally realized this was a mistake and moved her out of the female prison and put her into a minor correctional facility. Oh, oh, yes. Dear. This uh, 27-year-old is now with minors. Mm. This, New Jersey, wake up. So, yeah, we're in, the, we're in a crisis. We are in a crisis. And... Um, uh, People can't even define what a man or a woman is at this point. So um, we live in a culture of death. And I would ask, how can we survive in this kind of a culture? Well, the first thing is to remember that God chose us to live right now in this time and place. So we want to be in God's will and God has put us here. And so there's a way to get through it. Uh, Romans 5.20 says, where sin increased... Grace abounded all the more. And so we have to put our faith in that and believe that. So St. Louis de Montfort wrote in his book, True Devotion to Mary, Towards the end of the world, Almighty God and his Holy Mother are to raise up saints who will surpass in holiness most other saints as much as the cedars of Lebanon tower over little shrubs. So uh, we can say we're in some kind of an end time here. I don't know if it's the end time, but we can look to uh, this writing of St. Louis and say we have the opportunity here to become great saints. So, uh, they will, and also in the same book, he wrote, they will be ministers of the Lord <clears throat> who like a flaming fire 
will enkindle everywhere the fires of divine love. They will become in Mary's powerful hands like sharp arrows with which she will transfix her enemies. So there you have that. So I would say that we need a plan of action for our faith to survive in this time of hostility against our faith. It's time to strengthen our families and our communities by focusing on our Catholic traditions and practices. And if we look at Jesus, he prayed sometimes all night. And we too will have to spend time away from the world and its allurements in deep prayer, deep prayer, prayer from the heart. So the first thing is we have to change ourselves first. It's like a pebble in a pond. When you throw the pebble into the pond, the ripples go out. When we change, the ripples go out and affect those around us. Then the people around us change when they see the peace and love that we have. So we change ourselves first. We can also look at the Acts of the Apostles. Uh, They lived in uh, very bad times also. And we can look at the stories of how they got through it and find some uh, examples there. Now, there were prophets in the Old Testament, and the last one was John the Baptist. But I would say that there are still people today who have been given the gift of prophecy, which is the gift of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to read from two of those. One of them is Ralph Martin, who gave a prophecy at the Basilica of St. Peter's in Rome on Pentecost Monday, 1975. It was at the closing mass of a charismatic renewal conference. And this prophecy came to him after communion, after a time of worship and quiet. And this is what he received. Because I love you, I want to show you what I am doing in the world today. I want to prepare you for what is to come. Days of darkness are coming on the world, days of tribulation. Buildings that are now standing will not be standing. Supports that are there for my people now will not be there. I want you to be prepared, my people, to know only me and to cleave to me and to have me in a way deeper than ever before. I will lead you into the desert. I will strip you of everything that you are depending on now so you depend just on me. A time of darkness is coming on the world, but a time of glory is coming for my church. A time of glory is coming for my people. I will pour out on you all the gifts of my spirit. I will prepare you for spiritual combat. I will prepare you for a time of evangelization that the world has never seen. And when you have nothing but me, you will have everything. Land, fields, homes, and brothers and sisters, and love and joy and peace more than ever before. Be ready, my people. I want to prepare you. So I would say that this prophecy speaks of uh, very much like a time we're living in now, where buildings have come down, when I think of the World Trade Center, and supports that we're used to having, they're gone. And uh, it speaks of God wanting to be closer to us than ever before, when the gifts of the Spirit will be poured out on us. And we'll be engaged in spiritual combat. And the big thing is it'll be a time of evangelization as never before. The Lord said never before. Now, Our Lady's latest message said evil is reigning as never before. And uh, when we listen to news reports, the word that I hear over and over again is unprecedented. This is an unprecedented weather event. This is an unprecedented financial event. Whatever's going on, it's unprecedented. 
And so uh, that just caught my eye that never before. So um, any, th any thoughts or do you want to clarify what the Old Testament prophets were as opposed to someone has, who has the gift today? No. Um, I would say this isn't the end of the world. Uh, no. I'd say it's the end of the world as we know it. And that's okay because this world is uninhabitable for the Christian. It's become anti-Christian. The anti-Christ spirit is reigning. Um, and I'll tell you something else. If you look to the book of Revelation, chapter 20, uh, it says this. And I saw an angel coming down out of heaven, having the key to the abyss, and holding in his hand a great chain, he seized the dragon, that ancient serpent who is the devil or Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. He threw him into the abyss and locked and sealed it over uh, to keep him from deceiving the nations anymore until the thousand years were ended. Ended. After that, he must be set free for a short time. Uh, we haven't seen a thousand-year peace. That has not happened. No. Uh, the peace of heaven. And we haven't seen the kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So those have to happen. God's word is living and, and alive and doesn't return void. That, those things will happen before the earth can be uh, be over. So that's coming. Um, now, let's go back to the beginning, to, to the garden uh, in Genesis. What happened after the fall? Uh, God said, I will place enmity or hostility between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike at you at the head and you will strike at him on the heel. Uh, who are the offspring? Well, the first offspring of Mary, uh, she's talking about, this is no longer about Eve. Eve fell, so she's out of the picture. This is about the woman being Mary, her offspring being Jesus, but we are brothers and sisters to Jesus. We are part of the offspring. So there's a hostility between us and the serpent. The, that's the battle we're in. So if you don't think you're in a battle, you're in a battle. You're either working for Jesus or you're working for Lucifer, but you're in a battle. Then when you look to the end of the scriptures, back to Revelation, uh, we, we hear this. The, the woman clothed with the sun, she had to uh, flee from uh, the great dragon, and she outwitted the dragon, and she uh, uh, escaped. And then it says, and then the dragon was enraged at the woman and went off to wage war against the rest of her offspring, those who keep God's commands and hold fast their testimony about Jesus. That's us. So there's several confirmations that we're in a battle. And, and this it's a serious battle because this creature that we're, that's trying to take, kill us, basically, this dragon is a highly, highly intelligent and powerful uh, demon. You know, he was the, the brightest of all the angels in heaven before he fell. So that's what we're up against. So if you are not linked up with Jesus, you have no hope of winning the battle. Zero. Because human creatures cannot battle spiritual powers of demons directly. The, all the power comes from Jesus. And you know what? As more and more people walk away from God, they're placing themselves right into the clutches of his hands. It's a very sad thing. Uh, I was just speaking with a woman this morning who is uh, not Catholic but Pentecostal. She has a 14-year-old son uh, who has somehow become possessed by watching TikTok, of all things. Mm. He uh, got involved in uh, 
Santa Morta on TikTok and then did a deep dive into all things occult. He now is a zombie, curses God continually. Um, he's become a, a savage in his own home. Uh, so I said to the woman, I go, so um, so he's baptized because you're Pentecostal. And she said, no. And I said, oh, why? <laughs> why is he not baptized? When he's baptized, he's claimed as a child of God. Like, if you're listening and your kids are not baptized, would you please go run to the church and set up an appointment with the priest to baptize your children? Uh, people have this idea these days that I'm going to let them decide for themselves. Oh, really? Well, in this environment, by the time they become a teenager, the devil has them in his back pocket. And then they're not going to get baptized because then at that age, they have to choose it. So you're doing a great disservice. The greatest uh, thing you can do for your children is baptize them and teach them about the faith. And yet people are forfeiting that, throwing it away, pearls before swine. Well, I, um, I, I think you should say that people shouldn't be frightened at the idea that we're in a battle. And it's simple to say that we can't keep going on the way we're going. This is a terrible environment to raise your children in, and something needs to change. So we are in a battle, and that's a good thing because God is on our side, and we have to battle our way through this. We, we just can't roll over and allow all these things to keep happening. We, we have to, at some point, put up a fight. So the way we're going to fight is different than what people, uh, other people think of as fighting. Uh, I just would like to refer back to Medjugorje, the trip we took, you and I, Father Dan, in 1998, your first trip. We stayed at uh, a villager's home named Mama, a wonderful woman. And one night she told us her story through a translator. You'll remember it, Father. So when the apparitions began, Medjugorje was under communist rule. And the authorities thought the church was trying to overthrow the government. So they came and they nailed wooden bars across the doors of the church and they forbade anybody from entering. Well, the ladies of the village were going to have none of that, including Mama. So they went to the church and they began pulling the bars off the doors. The police came and told them to stop and pointed their guns at the women. And I will never forget Mama telling us this story and this part of it. The women faced the police and they told them to shoot, that they would rather die than not have their church. It was a very emotional moment as she told us all that. I knew I didn't have the courage that Mama had, but I knew I wanted it. And I have thought about that story all these years. You remember, Father? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it, a, you know, it was, it's quite a dramatic story. Yeah. They were and, willing to stand in front of the church and be shot. So think about this. This is this is what these women of this village were not going to put up with. And I think of us closing all of our churches during the pandemic for three months, and at least where we live, it was three months. Some places it was longer. And nobody put up a fight. We just rolled over and said, okay, well, there are 15 promises of the rosary, and number 13 stands out to me. And it says, all advocates of the rosary shall have for intercessors the entire celestial court during their life and at the hour of death. So these are the promises that Mary has given us if we pray the rosary. Well, this particular one, number 13, I'm relying on this one, especially if I should die a martyr. And because I say the rosary every day, I'll be able to rely on those in heaven to assist me at my death. Well, it's only through God's grace that I would be able to be a martyr uh, because I'm not that strong on my own, but with God's help, I could be. 
So Our Lady in Medjugorje has been showing us the way to her son for 41 years. She sees the battle we are in. She's come to guide us through it as a good mother would. And she has her combat boots on. She's leading us in this battle. And what has she given us? The five little stones to fight our Goliath. Prayer with the heart, Eucharist, Bible, fasting, monthly confession. So she gives us these weapons to fight the pagan culture. As I said before, we have to start with ourselves. Now, the life in Medjugorje is so different than our own. The entire village's village lives the faith every day. And I will tell you that it's very hard to leave Medjugorje. On the last day of a pilgrimage, and it happens this way every time, people don't want to go home, they want to stay. At this last trip I was on, people were saying, I wonder what the rents are here, if we could rent a place. <laughs> Honestly, it happens every time. Now, the people there have so much less materially than we do, but spiritually they have so much more. And we see how life can be lived there, simplicity and love in action. We see the contrast of how we live in our society, which is affluent, and we've forgotten the basics. And I have seen the decline since I was growing up, which is, you know, pretty much a short time, and the decline of the, of the culture. And it's a struggle to maintain, maintain our faith in this hostile environment. Nobody in the culture backs us up. When I was growing up, all the whole culture backed you up. Uh, so what are we to do? Well, here's one, one interesting thing to think about. There's something called the Benedict Option. What is that? Well, it's a book written by a person named Rod Dreher, D-R-E-H-E-R. And he discusses St. Benedict retreating from a decadent society. Benedict lived from 480 to 547 A.D. And he lived uh, for a while as a hermit in a cave to escape the sins of the culture. Then after years of prayer there, word of his holiness brought the monks nearby to ask for his leadership. And he eventually established many monasteries and his belief and instructions on religious life are known as the rule of St. Benedict. And they've been used for 15 centuries. They've held up very well. So Benedict retreated from a decadent society and he built Christian communities that were strongholds of hope in a dark time. Well, what does that have to do with us? We probably can't leave our jobs and homes to live in a monastery or a cave for that matter. Uh, but we do have to find a way to keep the light of our faith burning brightly in ourselves, in our families, and in our friends and neighbors. So we can begin a discipline of prayer in our lives, and that's what Rod Dreher calls the Benedict Option, is to begin a, a routine of prayer in our own lives. It can't be the kind of prayer that we had before, which was maybe uh, waking up, a morning offering, going to bed, a quick examination of conscience. This, the times are calling for much more than that. And it's time to really set up a regimen of prayer in your lives uh, to protect yourself and to save others. We have to keep our eyes on God and not what's going on around us. We have to not focus on the storm, but look at Jesus as Peter did when he walked on the water. So God has a plan our Lady has come to implement it. We are to gather in small spiritual communities, holding each other up and growing in faith and holiness. 
And St. Teresa of Avila said, I would advise those who practice prayer to cultivate friendship with others of similar interests. So we can't do this alone. We need a community around us. We need a circle of people who are like-minded, uh, fellow believers. Uh, we, we really need that. So uh, this is a time of a new beginning. Uh, it's a birthing process that's taking place. Now, birthing is always painful, but afterwards there's joy and new life. And so think of it that way, that we're going through a birthing process. And um, it, we, need, we need new life very much. We, we certainly can't keep going the way we're going. The news is more horrific one day after the other. Well, the blood of the martyrs is the seeds for new life in the church. Yes. And, you know, just this past couple of weeks, um, oh, I was just talking about this St. Mark Xi Ching Chang from China. He was a drug addict, and he knew he couldn't give up his addiction. So he started praying to be a martyr because he said, that's the only way I'm going to get to heaven. And uh, and he was martyred on, uh, I think it was Boxer Day in uh, China, uh, where he was uh, dragged off with his family. And he had the grace to, he said, I want to be last so that none of my family dies alone. And uh, he died gracefully because I think God gives you the grace when he calls you to be a martyr. And he doesn't give it to you beforehand. It's when you need it. Yes. Think about those martyrs of Soroki Brezhig in Croatia. You know, they woke up that uh, February 7th morning back in 1945 thinking it was a normal day. And yet all of them would be, uh, uh, I think they were shot and then burned. Um, and they were given the chance to flee. If you can leave now and go get a job in the world. And they all stayed and because they wouldn't take off their habits and they wouldn't dishonor the cross. And so they all were martyred. Um, and then, you know, there's a great uh, opera about the Carmelites, the dialogue of the Carmelites, which is based on a true story of this Carmelite nuns in France who were beheaded by guillotine during the French Revolution. And you know what? One of the postulants, when the sisters were being rounded up, she, she fled. She says, well, what am I doing here? I mean, if they're putting them in a prison to kill them, I'm getting out. And then she was praying and praying and praying, realized she had to go back and be with her sisters. And uh, she wound up going in to be with them, and she was uh, one of the ones that executed as well. So there has to be grace there. Because yeah. to, to, uh, to op willingly die when you can flee uh, means that you're going against your human nature for life. Uh, in a in a healthy way because you're the when you find something worth dying for and God certainly is uh, then you, you begin living and not that everybody's going to be martyred certainly not everybody will be but if it's if it's in your uh, hands of your life that uh, that's what God wants from you He will give you the grace to do it gracefully. I, I do believe He He does always give us the grace when we need it for whatever we're going through. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so the again, warfare, well, the common denominator of all those people I just listed is where they had very strong prayer lives. Yes. That's where the grace comes from. So, yes. again, if you're not praying your rosary every day, what are you waiting for? Does uh, a nuclear bomb have to go off in America before you begin praying your rosary? Like, what's the what's the line that has to be crossed for you to begin praying your rosary? I would say we've crossed it. If you're not praying your rosary every day, uh, you are forfeiting protection for your family. Because Our Lady promised she would do that. So please pick it up 
pray for your priests, pray for your bishops, pray for the Pope, uh, pray for the whole world. The whole world can use prayer. And even take, it, even take it a step further, set up a prayer program for yourself, uh, a routine that you're going to follow every day and adhere to it and, and, and stay with it because Our Lady is begging us for prayers, begging us. Uh, she can do a lot with our prayers. And so she's leading us through this time of transition and uh, we, we can become great saints if we uh, use the graces that are being poured out in abundance. Okay. Thank you for being on. You're welcome. May the blessing of Almighty God come down upon you and remain with you forever. And I bless you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. This is Father Dan signing off. Mm -hmm.